0: Perhaps his fingerprints were a on the knife after he was deceased. Good heavens, he's right. Twiddle's moustache.
1: Mr. Poirot, I noticed that you're telling us off for keeping things from you, and you have finished precisely no sentences since we started talking about who might have committed the murder.
0: And then they they leave, and Poirot again mysteriously says, Ah, I found out something interesting there, which I'm not going to tell you. And then we move on to the next chapter. Damn it, Hercule! Hello, and welcome to part three of Shark Liver Oil's read-through of The Murder of Roger Ackroyd by Agatha Christie. I'm Matt.
1: I'm Dave, hello. How you doing, Dave? I'm
0: alright, Matt, how are you? Concerned. Yeah, Con- feeling concern- way down with mystery yeah, concern for Ralph who we've both accused and <laughs> <laughs> I'm increasingly thinking he might be innocent but anyway
1: <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm the, the finger of completely meritless suspicion continues to point at Ralph Patton
0: <laughs> how was I
1: to know I'd pick the red herring all the way through
0: <laughs> so uh, this week we're reading uh, from uh, it's chapter 12 called Round the Table uh, as far as chapter, uh, what is it? Is it six, 16? Oh no, I got sixteen.
1: End, end of chapter sixteen, isn't it? Is it? Hold on. Good start, <laughs> isn't <this>, it? <laughs> <laughs> Never let it be said that we're coasting on our previous minuscule success.
0: I ah, see. It says here for me, end of chapter seventeen. So as far as Charles Parker, Charles Kent. So as far as it is, you read the chapter about right, Parker and then you stop at Charles Kent. That's chapter sixteen. <laughs> What's going on here? No, it's a. well we've Have got, I got different got, versions. Have uh, they given me different
1: chapter numbers. So, anyway, yeah, alright, fine. We read to the end of a thing about Parker. Let's Yeah, say we basically do that. the all chapter
0: right. called Charles Kent stopped there. All right, <laughs> it's, either, it's either chapter 18 or 16 depending on the version you've got somehow I'll tell you what,
1: it's going to turn out that one of us has epically spoiled ourselves here like whoever's read the wrong chapter number all the way
0: uh, okay so, uh, let's go through it then, so chapter 12 round the table um, this is uh, basically during this chapter Poirot gets the household together and sits them all day and, and tells them look, you're all Lying to me. Oh, you're all keeping something
1: from me. Anyone fancy speaking up? He's pretty... See, he's been all carrot, hasn't it? And now it's the yeah. stick. Now he gets them all together in a room and does the thing that your primary school teacher did, your reception class teacher. He's not angry. No, no, no. He's just disappointed. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, there are a few other things that happened in this chapter before that as well. Um, we get the increasing feeling that Ralph is looking guilty... Uh there's still no sign of him. Uh there's I, I thought at this point, and someone else comes up with it a bit later on, maybe he's uh he's hiding closer to home rather than uh, oh, getting the train.
1: In in the bustling yeah. fictional metropolis of Cranchester, you mean?
0: Well exactly, yeah. That would well, that would seem <laughs> a an obvious place, but uh we'll see. Um <laughs> also, the, do also remember this um this issue about fingerprints uh yeah. there was a, there was prints on the knife and um the inspector was at the, at the start of this investigation very excited about that and thought that'd be the key yeah well, quite reasonably yeah uh, paro seems to think otherwise now he thinks that might be a a blind alley because um nobody in the household has matched the prints to the knife uh, the the police tend to think that the prince will probably belong to Ralph. Yeah. But Poirot's not so sure. He came comes up with an idea that maybe the prince belonged to the deceased Roger Ackroyd.
1: But, so, but not, and, and when I read that, I did think, sort of, what, he stabbed himself in the neck? That's Is exactly this, what the police say. Yeah, yeah <laughs> ex- exactly. And it's it's a little bit galling to have had the same response in my head. <laughs> as the police who appear in this scene in the role of the totally clueless, extremely overconfident, self-important, under-informed wankers. I don't like appearing to be that kind of character, but it's undeniable that me and the slow policeman are on exactly the same page in this. Yeah. Why'd he do that then, Poirot? Eh? Eh, stab himself in the neck, would he? <laughs> Bollocks. Uh, no, monsieur. Sure. <laughs> Perhaps <laughs> his
0: fingerprints were a a knife after... It was deceased. That's what. Good heavens, he's right. (laughs) Twiddles (laughs) moustache. So then then we move on to this this scene with the uh, in in the house, uh, saying, "Look, who's lying to me? You're all lying to me. I know you are. are I know you are. Who are you? (laughs) (laughs) It is. It is. Uh, Someone says um, about Ralph that maybe like his actions are. Sort of down to a bit of an act of God, mm. and and this guy Jeffrey Raymond makes this crack saying something about thick ankles.
1: Thick ankles. Yeah, this Raymond's a weird one, isn't he? He's he's all yeah. all sorts of chirpy all the time, and then he makes these really weird. Is it a joke? Is it a like? Is he is he just constantly trying to raise the levity of the room? Oh well, those those thick ankles. Hey, anyone? (laughs) No. Why is he the worst fucking stand-up comedian? Most inappropriate kind of jokey member of a conversation you ever saw? What's going on there? Yeah,
0: yeah. I don't know, but it interests me that because it seems such a strange thing to say. That I thought it must be relevant somewhere. Yeah. I thought it could either be one of two things. One, if we're going down this Ralph doesn't want to marry his cousin line, are we? It might be because well that's what I, that's what that was my theory was you're not going to marry his cousin I'm, so he runs off with the sexy with the sexy dancing
1: parlour mate
0: <laughs> <laughs> but uh if that's the case maybe maybe his his cousin besides the fact that she's his cousin um has also got thick ankles I don't know <laughs> um <laughs> or is that just like
1: like he's just desperate to come up with something to say about the situation to look like he's engaged for some reason, why he'd want to be engaged with the investigation, I don't know. But everybody's talking about it, he goes like, yeah, she might have thick ankles. Just everybody in the room just sort of slowly turns, including Poirot, just to look at him and be like, "What the? what the fuck is wrong
0: with you? I like the I like the idea that Ralph's just an ankle
1: man and he can't get he can't get on board <laughs> with, uh, with <laughs> ankles. <laughs> that's amazing. It's <laughs> <laughs> incredible. A complete male chauvinist pig, but only for a three-inch gap between the feet and the calves, and that's what <laughs> that's what he does is is sort of horrendous sharking on oh, big ankles. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, uh, the alternative theory that I had in retrospect was um, we
0: come on a bit later in this part about. Whether Ralph was wearing black or brown boots,
1: maybe that's got something to do with it. This is exactly the sort of like this is what I think of when I think of Hercule Poirot as a character is like making the whole plot of the novel hang on something really small, like the colour of somebody's <laughs> boots, and then not explaining why he's talking about it. Yeah, Bastard. <laughs> it's infuriating. <laughs> yeah, it really is. He's like, Mr. Poirot, why do you want to know about the boots? And then he would just, with impeccable good manners, but he would be like, uh, like Yeah it is a matter of no little importance anyway anybody see the game last night you know like it yeah, just yes. like changes the changes direction of the conversation completely and you end up going like i'm going to find out about that in two chapters you bastard
0: yeah for a man sitting here furious with the fact that everyone else around him is keeping things
1: on your <laughs> <own>. <laughs> that is absolutely correct glorious he is a little bit sort of like pot Kettle situation, isn't it? Deary me. Mr. Poirot, I noticed that you're telling us off for keeping things from you, and you have finished precisely no sentences since we started talking about who might have committed the murder. And then, it, and, and you know what he would do, though? You know what he would do? He would just look and just shrug, just be in that very Gallic kind of way, just like, instead of actually saying, you know, that's not a bad point. He would never say that. Uh, there
0: are a couple of people who are at least talkative, uh, Mrs. Aykroyd is very much continuing to pin everything on Ralph, uh, going, I always do was you know, a bad in and all this. Um,
1: Teary me. But do you think that's... Is that coming from her desire to, like... Well, it can't be anymore, can it? Or to get more money. If he's arrested for the murder of the... Does he still inherit the stuff that he was going to inherit? Because if so, this could be some fairly, fairly dodgy manoeuvring on the part of Mrs. Aykroyd. You know what mm. I mean? Like, kind of saying... Like trying to make it so that she gets all of the inheritance by setting up her stepson, uh, sorry, her step nephew, um, as as the murderer of her former brother-in-law. Like yeah. he's a wrong in that one. He's a wrong. And is it? Good heavens! Do you mean to say that now he's been locked up most based mostly on my testimony uh, that I'm going to get all of his thousands and thousands of pounds? You <laughs> amaze me! Wow. Ooh, the dividend yeah. for honesty, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I can't see a situation where
0: he would stand to lose his inheritance, though, He's, uh, because I'm not. He, he might go to jail for twenty years, but it's still before him. When it, it's still be there for him when he comes out. I'd have thought. Yeah, I
1: suppose, Honestly, I wonder what the law is on that, actually. Not that I have yeah. any reason to need to know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Shit, that's me being like that woman who went to the doctor earlier on and started talking just, <laughs> just <laughs> apropos poisons. of nothing about undetectable <laughs> poisons. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what the law is about murdering somebody you're going to inherit, isn't it? In, in the painfully hypothetical circumstance that I had some rich uncle I didn't know about. But that's yeah. not going to happen.
0: I don't know, I tend to think when, like, bank robbers and stuff, or people done for mass fraud get sent down. Mm. I kind of vaguely remember that. There are loads of cases where it's, it feels a little unfair that when they come out, they still keep the money because they can't find out where it is. Oh, yeah, that's true, actually. Like, afraid. I
1: mean, you can seize it, But that's different, isn't it? Like, stolen assets can be seized and returned to their owners. But in the case yeah. of a will, the person who made the will is dead. And so the only word you have from them on it is what they wrote down, even if that turned yeah. out to be tragically misguided. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, so it's likely to keep it, but uh, I'm sure Mrs. Zach- if, I'm sure if if Ralph is banged up in prison for twenty years, that's plenty of time for Mrs. Ackroyd to work out to wheedle a bit of money away from him. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would imagine. So if that, the, the other person speaking a lot here is Flora, um, who is very suddenly dec- decides to sort of come out and say, "I'm going to announce my marriage to Ralph as a show of support." <laughs> <laughs> uh, is, which is, is, is that a weird. bit weird? Like yeah, I think it's weird, but I, then I think the fact that the two cousins are getting married is weird, so I'm not sure to destroy the line. Although,
1: <laughs> I was thinking about this, and they're not actually in any sense related, are they? Like It's like, it's a guy adopts a kid, and then his brother's daughter meets that kid, and they want to get married. It's not quite the same as being sort of... Uh, which I'm perfectly, you know, it's a matter of record that it happened, because our royal family don't have very much in the way of chins, but... You know, I don't think this is actually quite the case of the uh, the, the absurdly privileged keep-it-in-the-family-as-close-as-possible thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a fair point, I suppose. Um Chapter 13 is The Goose Quill. <sighs>
1: Let me tell you, I've been waiting for... That's, that not that a classic kind of uh, suspense novel yeah. chapter title yeah. as well? The Goose Quill. The Goose Quill, I found it in Marrakesh. You know.
0: <laughs> yeah, that could have been the name of the book, couldn't it? Yeah. Quite easily. <laughs> uh.
1: That's true. Rather than telling you who was gonna get killed in the first few pages.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh so the Goose Quill, we go around to Poirot's for dinner, uh, with Doctor Shepherd. Lovely. Um <laughs> he makes some offhand comment about something about women noticing everything. Um a bit weird and uh, (laughs) then Poirot goes through his theory um, that the stranger we met who people thought might have been Ralph asking for his own address um, was in fact a Canadian or American stranger who's addicted to drugs. Yeah
1: so you would have thought wouldn't you that in the chapter earlier on, where we were saying, I bet he's got an accent like this, isn't he? He's one of them lower order types. <laughs> yeah. You would have thought that one of us would have noticed if he'd have said, and the the stranger, weirdly enough, had an American accent. Like, yeah. yeah. Did he not think to mention it? Is it? American? Are we in some weird bubble where the American tourist kind of boom had already occurred in this particular very, very small <laughs> English town without... Yeah, like I, what, like what?
0: Yeah, it's weird what, why would why would the POV character not Note. think? Oh, he's got an American accent. Yeah, he's not. I, they were, I never hear American. Yeah, accents. Exactly, yeah. they're not ten a
1: penny, are they? Mm. Back then,
0: yeah, yeah. I love the fact that when Poirot says that, he got, the shepherd's like. Hmm, now you mention it. Yeah, he did. he did have an American accent. I didn't think about that. I mean, <laughs> if, if, if we didn't know about it, that'd be really suspicious. But yeah,
1: anyway. yeah, it would. It be is this like an editing error or what? or yeah. or or more more suspiciously, more ominously? What else is the good doctor not telling us? Yeah. Hey, what else has he forgotten to put out for us? Yeah, well, he's got a form for not saying things, hasn't he? He has. He has yeah, he says. His- cool. Super
0: special skills, isn't it? Not saying anything.
1: Uh. <laughs> it's, like, it's like in the Avengers, you've got all these superpowers, then you got Hawkeye, he just shoots arrows. Yeah. His, his, his superpower is silence. <laughs> Seems like a weird superpower. Yeah,
0: it's like Hearts in, a, if you ever watched Captain Planet, they all had rings. <laughs> <ripped up. laughs> and everyone had like really cool ones like Causing an Earthquake or... You know, a flood through white water, all these elemental powers, and then heart was just like being nice to people.
1: <laughs> <laughs> They're so close to making a good philosophical point there, aren't they? But the execution <laughs> of it was so bad that it just kind of reinforced all the reasons why people would automatically think that was rubbish.
0: <laughs> You're going to be hearts? Oh, great! What is that? I, do I, does it, my enemies' hearts burst open or something? And uh, it's so... No, no, no! You would be nice to people. What? That's a superpower. In a way.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And (laughs) instead of going, instead of like undermining that disappointment and saying, look how powerful it is to be a decent human being, they literally just made it. Go on, be nice. Nice (laughs) is a superpower these days. What? (laughs) (laughs) What? Not in the
0: same way causing earthquakes is a superpower. (laughs) 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 Anyway, we're we're, we're getting off the point. Digression somewhat, (laughs) eh? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, uh, Pyro also says that he thinks. Ralph has three motives for killing Aykroyd. One is, um, obviously, it was hard up for money, so the theft of the cash and inheritance and all that. Two was, he thinks Ralph could be the blackmailer. Possible. Yeah. yeah. Um, And three is, again, he he was in some scrape, um, which Poirot seems to assume isn't to do with money, which I would have thought would be to do with money, but... um, he thinks that's a separate motive to to cash.
1: Mm, yeah,
0: but he thinks <laughs> because everything's pointing to basically what you said at the start, Dave. Because
1: it looks so
0: obvious that it's Ralph, it probably isn't. <laughs> is, uh,
1: thinking. I'd love that if he kept if it turned out just to be a complete smackdown argument that it definitely is Ralph, and Poirot's still like ah, <laughs> yeah. but you must embrace the mystery.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like that one in uh, Blackadder Where the guy's found with the knife Next to the body And when the police find him He says, I'm glad I killed the bastard And <laughs> <laughs> like, hmm mm, Nothing is on his feet An interesting
1: little wrinkle to introduce Into this otherwise <laughs> complicated situation
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chapter 14 uh, No, here uh, Mrs. Aykroyd is struck down with worry and I've put here Mrs. Bennett style from Pride and Prejudice in that she gets so upset she's taken to bed with illness <laughs> um, as as women tend to do with this style. Oh, jeez. Yeah, there,
1: there are a couple of moments throughout this particular passage, aren't there? Or this particular bit of the book that we're reading where you're like, whoa, whoa, hello, 1912. <laughs> like... Like there's an even worse bit later on where um yeah where some, I think I know was coming <laughs> yeah well where somebody makes it it just like our our protagonist by the way the person we are supposed to like refers to like is talking about a debt collector. And says, yeah. you know, oh, they all seem to have Scottish names, but then, then they all... Like, he basically says they all have Jewish roots. And you're like, yeah. how the fuck is that in a mainstream... Like, nobody nobody at any point reading it went, come on, Agatha, you got nothing to back that up? Anything? Just a bit mindlessly hateful stereotype in there, is there? No? No, nobody? Oh, yeah. she's made us millions this year. All right. Go ahead, then. What the fuck? Yeah, maybe it's just a reflection of the time. Yeah, I mean, well, um, yeah, and... and And clearly it is, but, uh, you know, clearly it is representative of the times, but like, but I just, it was just one of those weird things where like so much of the world she's describing here is actually still quite familiar to me, like the way English people interact and gossip quite a lot and, you know, what small English villages are actually like and the kind of, you know, the sort of, you know, civility and niceness of it all, but then the capacity for very quite shocking things to happen there and so on all of that is is actually almost preserved and then there's these little moments where i'm like whoa man we have changed (laughs) like like in terms of like the environments we inhabit and whatever we we haven't changed at all but in terms of like our understanding of other people in the world it's you know it's dramatically different Hmm. um yeah hellfire man i I was shocked at that i really was
0: Now, uh, Mrs. Aykroyd, uh, yeah, she's, she's struck struck down with worry. Uh, she's obviously hiding something. Um, she's she's basically saying, "Oh, that Ursula, the is it the was she the parlour maid? She was one of the maids. Uh, she's a liar. Whatever she's told you isn't true. She's not really said anything yet." So, um, yeah, the doctor's thinking, "Ooh, what is this?" Mm. And the uh, the confession that she gives in the end is she's interested in. Uh, the will of uh, of Roger Ackroyd. <laughs> she she basically snuck she? into his study. Yeah, she snuck into his study to take a peek at it, and basically got caught by the parlour maid. Um, and then she sort of wandered out and tried to steal something from that cabinet of priceless sort of curiosities, um, which she was. She says she was planning to sell for Roger Ackroyd's benefit, which seems uh, 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 a paper thing Oh, were pens. you?
1: this guy like she she's already got it right the way into this talking about the sort of talking about how, you know how he never was never kind with money and he always had all the money and he never gave it away and stuff and then her way of papering over the cracks at the end of this thing is like yeah but I was only doing it for him yeah yeah and you can't prove otherwise
0: you must understand it was all for him somehow <laughs> for <laughs> reasons <all> <laughs> yeah um this, the sort of suspicions falling a bit more on this Miss Russell character as well, famous for the sort of asking about poisons and being out of breath uh, in and the house. And the
1: sexy dance. And the sexy dance. And the sexy dance. Which may or may not have happened. And, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. By the way, can we say the sexy dance, which is completely an invention of your diseased imagination?
0: <laughs> but she, uh. Uh, the, the, Dr Shepherd's thinking I wonder why she was out of breath maybe she was running in from the garden because she was doing a clandestine meeting somewhere because there's this meeting out in the summer house which were uh, which, which were led to believe may be important um, the, uh, we didn't really go over this when we're going the goose quill chapter but there's uh, basically the goose quill was something that um, Faro found in the summer house along with this little scrap of uh sort of fabric from someone's dress so the idea is that this American or Canadian uh, drug addict stranger met a mystery person, someone from the household in the summer house and then was taken inside to to do the deed (sighs) and
1: kill Ackroyd I'll tell you what though right, I'll tell you what this book is, it started off with saying I always know when somebody reads the Daily Mail that they're trustworthy and has moved forward through anti-Semitism, and then you know, like all all all, all the way to um, oh, he was foreign, so he must have done it. It's it's a, it is it is a festival of all that's ugly in the British attitude towards foreigners. I'll tell you, bloody hell. I
0: wonder if this. I wonder if this American's a refugee. We'll find yeah. out.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, but I mean, yeah. But can you imagine? And I bet, I bet, in the, in the moral world of this book, if he turns out to be a refugee, it will be like, oh no, no clearly guilty. String him up, string him up. <laughs> um,
0: right. Oh, the the other thing at the end of this chapter is we find out about Caroline's secret mission that she's been given by Poirot. Poirot wants her to find out uh, to basically go to the inn and find out if Ralph's boots were black or brown. Uh, it turns out they were black, and Farrow thought they were going to be brown, and this is a problem for reasons we are not told. Again. Hmm.
1: Chapter 15. <laughs> chapter uh, sorry, 15. I'm just I'm filled with my anger at that whole, that whole cliffhanger <laughs> situation. You, you're not getting anything funny out of me for that, bastards. Uh,
0: chapter 15 is Geoffrey Raymond.
1: Oh yeah! Yeah, Oh, is it, Mister Chirpy? No punchline, eh? Mm. Mister Thick, thick ankles are somehow worth commenting on uh, in the spirit of levity.
0: Yeah. Now we we don't meet Jeff just yet, but um, Jeff Ray. (laughs) Jeff Ray. But uh, we go round to Poirot's with Doctor Shepherd, who's been sent over to give him some jam from Caroline. Um, Basically, an excuse just to go round and have a chat. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
1: weird. Yeah, is, can, can you not just go around and say hello? No, no, you must carry a, a, a jar of jam as a <laughs> as a, a placeholder. Yeah, uh, while he's there, Stephen
0: Raymond comes round for a visit and to drop a little confession on people. It's interesting that sort of Poirot's little tantrum at the at the table when he had everybody around mm. saying, you're all lying to me, someone tell me the truth, has had a bit of a, an effect because we've had a Mrs. Aykroyd sort of say, this is what I was hiding. And now Geoffrey Raymond takes his turn. <laughs> he, he says, oh, I, I feel, you know, I've had something that's sort of prickling at my conscience. Uh, I did owe someone 500 quid. Oh, no, I, I was in debt, basically, and the 500 quid I've inherited after Aykroyd's death has uh has helped me out there, so I, I did stand to game from it. But I've got an alibi in that I was laying down some beats with Major blunts in the <laughs> studio or the drawing room um, <laughs> where the murder occurred,
1: laying down so, some beats. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> <clears throat> so it looks like Raymond is, Jeffrey Raymond is uh. <laughs> he's, he's innocent it, because he was recording with James Blunt at the time. Alibi. Yeah, because Major Blunt. Yeah, um, the, the, the Poirot and uh, Shepard just talk a bit about Blunts, and you know what he loves even more than music. What is it? The, the he,
1: ladies. <laughs> I thought you Blunt. were going to say the weed then. <laughs> <laughs> that too.
0: But um, the question is, he's obviously very fond of Flora. Could he have killed for love? <gasps> but again, he's got an alibi because oh. with Raymond. So no, he couldn't. Um, these alibi, these network of alibis, seem to assume that nobody could have worked together.
1: Yeah, which is a bit questionable, isn't it? Hmm. Like, I mean, yeah, so so Poirot, part of it, part of it, Poirot's got his his primary school teacher game. He's got it down. He's got it set. Hmm. He's not mad. He's just disappointed. But then he, he's failed to notice that they can conspire. See, yeah, primary school children, sly little yeah. buggers. Yeah, and
0: they they also just sort of come back round to suspecting poor old Parker, the little pervert. Um, Parker this, the pervert. <laughs> if you remember, he's a guy who was sneakily spying on Aykroyd close before his death. Yeah. Um, for reasons we don't know yet, which we're going to find out slightly in a next two chapters, mm. and they think maybe he. Was the guy who destroyed- maybe he's the blackmailer and he destroyed the letter which revealed him to be the blackmailer, which Ackroyd had uh. at the time. So they're gonna have a little test to find out if Parker really is sort of a blackmailer. <laughs> Sorry, there's <I was laughs> lots of truth. Trying to find trying to
1: find a dramatic way of saying a blackmailer. <laughs> <laughs> trying to find out if he is indeed threatening to expose some unknown and possibly damaging information in response. How long can one go on in a kind of declamatory tone of voice for a climax? <laughs> you see, yeah. the way it works in this situation is that one would present somebody with a demand for money in case of...
0: <laughs> this test... This test it turns out to be going right to the house, getting Parker to sort of reenact part of the evening's events and questioning him about how many glasses uh, he brought into the room and then they they leave and Poirot again mysteriously says I found out something interesting there which I'm not going to tell you and then we move on to the next chapter (laughs) Damn it Hercule, damn it (laughs) Uh, The
1: next chapter is An Evening at Mahjong you ever played Mahjong, Dave? Um, no, I mean, I only came across it as it wasn't. It sort of one of those like, um, like Minesweeper type games that used to be on Windows. There was a Mahjong. Oh, yeah, there was, yeah. Play. But I just I, I opened it once, looked at it, and went, Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Closed it again. Yeah. Minesweeper, I can apparently, just about understand, but Mahjong's beyond me.
0: Apparently, it's better than Bridge, according to, uh, Doctor Shepherd, which uh, which they're trying to make a sport. Did you know that's,
1: that's in real life, in, in, rather than in the the weird, twisted moral world of this novel? Yeah, actually, yeah. in real life, they want to make bridges sport. Well, all right, fair enough. <laughs> I do. I quite like that idea, though. Actually, imagine it like an Olympic sport, where the older you get, the better you are at it. I I would really <laughs> love that if you saw like kind of like women aged eighty-five who have been playing it, you know, quietly around the village for decades. Just being, like, yeah. Olympic gold medalists.
0: Was <laughs> well, it's an official game, though. They all sit around drinking cups and cups and cups of tea, and I reckon that would become a band performance-enhancing uh, drug. performance-enhancing drug. <laughs> what have you got there? Nothing.
1: Is it Lipton? It's not Lipton. It's Yorkshire. <laughs> y- y- you can't stop me, you. I'm a champion. I'm a champion. <laughs>
0: uh, but, yeah, so Mahjong apparently is even more intense and better than Bridge. Um <sighs> Where was that
1: uh, during the Beijing Olympics, eh?
0: Well, exactly. And, I mean, it sounds. Like, I mean, you, you, apparently, according to what happens in this, obviously, there's a the games going on as they're talking. Uh, one of the things that happens is I think the colonel says something like, "I'll pung that green dragon." So it sounds like a interesting game. It, it does,
1: and and I, I regretted that I didn't have more time to go through and read the chapter uh, introducing. Obscure sexual innuendo for every new mahjong term that was introduced because mm-hmm. I think that could have been quite funny, but um, yeah. but but it, as it was, it was just baffling. It was well, it's like all the, all the movie scenes that are set around poker games, right? Like they kind of you yeah. kind of a, you acquire a knowledge of poker without ever having really played it because it's that's the game that everybody uses. And it was only when reading mm-hmm. this that I realised how weird that is as like a narrative device. It just sort of assumes yeah. everybody understands all of the terminology whereas with mahjong i was like kong un uh, pung pung kong chow chi <laughs> is it chi or chow like all of that <laughs> like, what yeah i think it, it it's what
0: it, it's i i thought it was okay this because it's like um it kind of I thinks i think it's written for you know expecting you probably not to know how to play it but the, but it doesn't matter it's like uh, uh, if you watch if you ever seen er the uh uh, a yeah. Drama series on the US, and that is there's loads of stuff like get me 20 cc's of blah, 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 start, and you've no idea what on earth you're talking about, but it doesn't really matter. All the impression they're trying to give is something medical's going on, yeah, yeah, <laughs> something you, serious. If you get exactly. that, it's yeah. fine, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, no, exactly. Actually, I think that is a good example as well because it and it, it works rhythmically as well, doesn't it? It sort of breaks up the yeah. gossip, it's something interesting to do instead of having them just all sitting in a room. Kind of going. Oh, yeah. I've heard this. Bah, 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 well, I've heard. Bah, 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 bah. You know. Um,
0: yeah, so I, I thought it was it, a but... nice ch- and Yeah, it was a nice change actually. Yeah, um, I agree with that. Yeah, because it does. It is. It does get a little bogged down sometimes. This book in just as you say, people just sitting around ta- discussing who's killed Roger Ackroyd. Mm. Um, it's good to have something else happening, even if it is pretty, you know, impenetrable. Um, So the people here playing, there's Caroline and there's Dr. Shepard. And then they're having over this, I assume this couple, um, this colonel who keeps banging on about the Shanghai Club, which apparently he's never been to.
1: (laughs) The old school British Empire fraud, eh? Oh, in the Shanghai Club, we say... Yeah.
0: And there's Miss Gannett, who, um, between portions of enormous food, I presume, is saying that... um, Flora may be guilty she's got a theory about her doing it which would be sort of the the person you least expect I suppose because she's the you know the the most innocent seeming of all the characters isn't she
1: well yeah although she was doing a little dance because she made so much money off of her uncle's death right yeah so, yeah. I don't know, I think she's been subtly set up as the one you're supposed not to trust.
0: Mm. Well, yeah, this was was that, and the fact that she's leaping to Ralph's defence. Yeah. Uh, um, is yeah. Like, so it could be seen as raising her head above the
1: parapet a little bit. Certainly can. My word.
0: Mm. Uh, Caroline's got a theory. You ready for it?
1: Has she? Uh, is it another yeah. theory involving just her her weird ability to pull absolute factual statements out of thin air?
0: Yeah, well, it's it's one of her special theories that she sees something and decides, yeah, there's a there's a, the the reason for that is obvious and thinks no more about it. So Poirot has been seen driving back from Cranchester uh. one day, um, which is for Caroline irrefutable proof that Ralph is hiding in Cranchester. <laughs>
1: I love her ability it's not even like extrapolation it's it's extrapolation raised to a level of genius it's it's almost divination isn't it like yeah yeah, I reckon because he was there then this means the following nine things have happened and that actually like you know whatever it was JFK actually shot himself you know like she just gets to these absurd outcomes uh, through the sheer power of gossip gossip and conjecture
0: yeah. Although that is roughly the sort of theory I was going with with Ralph, so when she said it I was like I think that too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I might may not agree with the methods, but I think that's all right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're all into it, aren't you? You love a bit of absurdly gossipy rural <laughs> British character type.
0: <laughs> um Doctor Shepherd uh goes Mao Jong, he wins. Hey. And in the in the sudden climactic ecstasy of uh, of winning at Mahjong he blurts out about this gold ring that he's found he sort of goes, I've won at Mahjong oh, and guess what, I've also got a really cool bit of information about the case <laughs> so he shares this
1: about the gold ring I love that he goes right to his head yes, have it, I win, now here's some interesting information, it's like, it's like um, <laughs> It's uh, it's like an old adventure game isn't it? It's like do you ever play like Monkey Island or Grim Fandango or any of those? Like yeah. like something where like the point of the puzzle was to get somebody to win so they'd feel so over, overwhelmed with joy that they tell you it's like that. It's just like magic it turns on like a tap. Brilliant.
0: Yeah. Uh, this leads to a conversation about who the ring belongs to, who's married. Most people think it it may well be Ralph, obviously, and and who but who's he given it to, who's he married. Various people put forward. And the final super theory, which Caroline comes up with after everyone else has gone home, is maybe... Maybe it was Raymond with his uh. ring. And just, he's just, like, super
1: formal with it. Like, <laughs> Even on so a ring good. that's supposed to be secret or something, he's been like, My darling, yours, <laughs> Mr. Raymond.
0: <laughs> um, Caroline also comes out with this comment, which she doesn't elaborate upon,
1: that Flora clearly doesn't care for Ralph. Once again, where is that coming from? We've yeah, not actually ever yeah. seen them in the same room together, and all she's done is talk about how much she does care about him. That may or may yeah. not be true, but her like this is weird. If any plot's built on the top of this ridiculous, like, like ad hominem Deus ex machina plot device gossip machine, I'm going to be really angry. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, the final chapter for today is Parker. Back to Parker Parker, you know. Parker
1: the Perv. All roads lead to Pervy Parker, Parker the there's... peeping person. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: There's a there's a joint funeral um for obviously Ackroyd and Mrs. Ferrars. And then Parker is is sent for by Poirot for a, a bit of a more private conversation. Uh where Poirot basically comes out and accuses Parker of being a blackmailer. Uh. and says I've done some research says Poirot and it fa- turns out that Parker's previous employer Major Ellaby um, was in it up to his
1: neck Parker had been blackmailing him for years so he's got form so- which I loved as a moment of plot revelation but my thing is how the hell did you find that out? Like, there are, there are nine people in this, in the, like, nine suspects, basically, people who are in the house that you're kind of interested in who might have done it. Have you called absolutely everybody they've worked for in the past, and then somehow kind of wheedled and needled your way into their deepest, darkest secrets? The ones that existed, you know, for people who are now dead, were a big part of their lives, but which they never told anybody about. Like... Like mm. bollocks! What is he, the fucking <laughs> source whisperer? Like how how's he doing that? Is it industrious man? <laughs> with it with it. Oh, we know the answer to that. He gets people together in a room and he passive aggressively <laughs> tells them, <laughs> and they start
0: singing like canaries. They
1: I wonder if he has to find a way to do it, like, on a quick schedule, because he's sort of up against time. He's got nine people's backstories to investigate. He's just driving around the place, going in, sitting down, going, hello hello, 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 to meet you, of course. This is nice to meet you. Yes, I'd like to know an answer to a question. I think you're keeping something from me. I'm not angry right now. I'm just disappointed.
0: I reckon he's even faster than that. I reckon he's just driving through Cranchester, shouting out the window. A liar, a liar! A liar, a liar! all oh, of you <laughs> hey <laughs> and then he just sort of sits there in the square and sees
1: he comes forward yeah. <laughs> sits there with perfectly composed look of kind of self-righteous kind of waiting expectation on his face
0: yeah um parker says yeah you got me i i, I am a blackmailer but um i didn't blackmail Ackroyd. he says the reason he was sneakily listening in at the door was because he, he heard blackmail mentioned and thought, ooh, I'll, I'll have a piece of this. <laughs> and <laughs> started listening in to try and find out more, and maybe he could do a bit of the blackmailing too.
1: Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant.
0: So, good good bloke, this guy. Also, you know, maybe if someone's doing a sexy dance, he could have a sneaky look as well while he's there. It's, he doesn't yeah, mention that.
1: Sneaky something else you were suggesting before. <laughs> Bloody hell. Well,
0: well. Um they they go to the lawyer, Mr Hammond, to, uh, to just to check this out. And basically Hammond tells uh Poirot and and Doctor Shepherd that yeah, um Mrs. Ferris was paying out quite a lot of money to a mystery person which sort of corroborates the blackmail line. Actually it was around twenty thousand pounds in total. And this is this is seen as proof by Poirot that it's obviously not the butler because 'd either left by now or done something with it. Um, and he doesn't think he's clever enough to have used sort of a, a different account than the one that he showed Poirot. Yeah. So he's discounted as
1: a blackmailer. Yeah. Well, okay, fair enough. I mean, yeah, the, the logic of that is fairly impeccable. But there is some this miracle of his ability to just sit in front of somebody and go, come now, monsieur. And then they go, <laughs> oh, okay, you're right, here are my secrets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he does have a talent for that,
0: we'll give him that. It certainly does. Um, we go back to, to Shepherds, uh, where they sit with Caroline and have lamb chops. Or oh, it turns out they can't, because they haven't made enough. And Farrow goes over his new theory now, or his extended theory, mm. that um, the murderer is also the blackmailer, and basically what, what he thinks has happened is that there was this blackmailer who's been uh, sending letters to, uh, obviously, to Mrs. Ferris and getting more and more money, but he, he goes a bit too far, and she decides that she can't take it anymore and kills herself, and then Aykroyd gets this letter and finds out who it is, and the moment he finds out, he's killed because he knows too much. So it's not about his inheritance.
1: No. That's just a nice side effect for everybody else. Yeah.
0: So who do you think this blackmailer... Like we've come, that's the end of our part for today. Oh, that it ends with... They get a call from the police saying... We've captured a guy... <gasps> who I think you might be interested in. <gasps> it's the dark stranger. American drug addict stranger, we think. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun!
1: Yeah. Yeah. There you so, go. so
0: that 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 will be advancing the plot further next week yeah. when, we, when we read the rest of the book. But just going back to that blackmailer question, who do you think the blackmailer is? Oh, tits. by extension, the
1: murderer. I don't know. Could be anybody, though, couldn't it? Like, could be somebody we've yeah. never—if we were about to have it introduced to us this character who's previously only appeared as a lower class stereotype and a raised collar. Like, yeah. all bets are off, aren't they? If it turns out to be this bloke. Um, but here is
0: the thing with that with the, the the fact this bloke exists um, if he's connected to the murder mm-hmm. is a problem for this blackmail theory because like uh, the reason we being led to believe here the reason Ackroyd's killed is that he's found out this letter he's read this letter but they only find out he's read the letter like during the evening like so how is this This is this guy just on his way over just on the off chance that they're going to find out that Akroy's read the letter and then decide they need someone to kill him. <laughs> Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, that is a bit weird actually, isn't it? It's like, listen, I'm going to need you. We're going to need to put a very, very complicated plan in place just in case. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't make any sense, does it?
0: Yeah, I think the only way that theory works is if this weird stranger has just been turning up just to do a bit of drugs in the summer house and leave. But then there are <laughs> foot- I've got this great place. I love it. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Well, then there are footprints of what appear to be his or Ralph's. Or, oh, I don't know. It's all, it's all tangled up at the moment, isn't it? Curiouser and curiouser.
1: Curiouser and yet more curious.
0: Mm. I still think there's room for a sexy dance in here, though.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, so that's we'll just see. because
0: you would love that, wouldn't you? it'll be the twist to end all twists the twist to end all twists indeed <laughs> <laughs> um, if you're reading along with us we are going to be doing the rest of the book next week uh, so we will find out I assume who the murderer is we we'll are also be next week doing your feedback your uh, reviews of the book uh, along with some ones from around the world and uh, we'll also be delving once again into our uh junk mail feedback section <laughs> which you never know what's gonna come up there. I I'll i level with that. you Matt.
1: I'm, I'm fairly I might have a good idea what will come up there. <laughs> but we shall see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: if you want to get your own feedback or review into us, uh, the email address is sharkliveroilpodcast.gmail.com. podcast at gmail dot com. That's sharkliveroil at gmail.com. Or you can get us on Twitter at SharkliverOil and, uh, you know what, if you've got time, leave us a, a review on iTunes, if you can, or uh, just just mention it to someone. Just uh, don't be like Poirot, withholding information. Just say, <laughs> don't, don't, don't don't say to a friend, hey, I'm listening to this great broadcast, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. Tell them. And Dude. invite them to join Absolutely. the community that is Shark Liver Royal, which we're building up quite nicely at the moment. It's ticking along quite, yeah. quite nicely. Hello, everybody. So, get involved, yeah. Um thank you very much for listening. Lovely stuff. And we'll be back
1: next week. We will. With Sorry. a revelation, or if not a revelation, a really seriously pissed off Dave. Yeah. That's and that's
0: both of those are equally
1: exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I knew there was a reason he's carried on doing this podcast, I'll tell you. <laughs> Until then. See you later.